Hello and welcome to Fire Away, Redner Law's online show focused on the employment law issues that matter to you. My name is Stuart Redner. I'm an employment lawyer and mediator and your host of this season three, episode eight of Fire Away. Just a reminder that Fire Away streams live online every month. And if you miss an episode or if you want to watch one again, they're always available on our YouTube channel, our Facebook page, on LinkedIn, and on our website. If you are watching live, we'd be happy to answer any questions you may have. So feel free to post a comment on YouTube or Facebook, or you can always tweet to at Runner Law. And we'll be, uh, be happy to get to your questions. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Brian Schiffman. Brian is the president and CEO of the Vaughn Chamber of Commerce. Brian and I are going to be talking about how businesses are operating and managing in the COVID-19 pandemic and the lockdown, the challenges that they are dealing with, and those that they are anticipating. So Brian, thank you very much for joining us today. It's my pleasure, Stuart. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to have you join us. I think it should be a great conversation. As you know, I have been involved with the Vaughn Chamber for many years and Rudner Law. I've been members for many years and quite active. Uh, we always enjoy working with you guys and the members, but I've seen what you and your team have been doing over the last six months. And you guys have been advocating to government, you guys have been advising businesses, you've been providing resources, um, doing basically whatever you can to help businesses through these unprecedented times. And yes, I, I've used that word because we've probably heard that 2 million times in the last six months. Um, but I know, Brian, I know you've got the, your finger on the pulse of the businesses. Uh, so I'm very curious to hear um, what you're seeing, what you're hearing from your members. So now we're into September. Uh, all of a sudden, kids are back at school. It feels like fall. We seem like we were shifting from the shutdown to the getting back to business phase and a lot more recalls and things like that. But um, we're now seeing COVID numbers going up in Ontario. There's a concern about a second wave. What are you hearing? And what are the issues that you know, your members or other people you talk to are dealing with at this point? Yeah, thanks. That's a, I mean, it's a loaded question, but it's the right one. Uh, and I, thank you so much for the positive comments. I think that's what Chambers of Commerce are all about, being there for the business community and our members when they need us most. Uh, right now, you're you're dead on in that uh, return to school is, is really the number one issue that's coming up for employers uh, because so many of the Vaughn Chamber members, the larger business community, uh, have children. And that's been a difficult decision for parents, whether we should we send our children back to school with all the precautions. I think the province put together a, a very good plan, but also a lot of anxiety uh, for parents. And this spills over into the workplace because if you have employees that are sending their children back, uh, does this mean that the employee can now come back to work if you'd like them to? Mm -hmm. uh, what happens if there is a suspected or actual case uh, that can have an impact on uh, business continuity? So there's a lot of difficult conversations having, but uh, being uh, being had right now. But I think overall, the the province and uh, the municipalities have done a lot of work, and, I, and I'm hopeful that the return to school program will uh, will go fairly uh, smoothly. Yeah, I think we're all hoping for that, uh, but we're we're in interesting times. And look, I'm in my home office. Our entire team has been working from home since the middle of March, and down the hall, I've got my high school age student. I've got my daughter doing first year university down the hall from me, which no one had ever expected. Um, so I'm curious actually to take a step back because what we were finding was that as of, I don't know, I'd say around June or so, the conversation really shifted to getting back to business and recalling workers. And 
Is, is that sort of the trend that you have been seeing and now people are worried because they may not be able to get employees to come back because of school concerns? Well, I, I think change is always difficult, right? So every time we go through a new iteration of COVID, it's a learning experience, unfortunately, for everybody. Uh, it depends on the sector you're in. The tourism hospitality sector has really been decimated uh, by COVID. They'll be among the last to reopen. Uh, really, regardless of what happens right now, they'll be among the last to reopen. For that sector, it's a very different discussion. Uh, and uh, I have a lot of empathy for our friends in that sector, and we've been doing a lot at the Chamber to support them. Uh, if you are a tenant, uh, you're not loving the uh, the ability of your, uh, your ability to use the commercial rent relief program. Uh, again, it was a it's something that we give the government a lot of credit for trying to bring in as a backstop. Unfortunately, it hasn't been as effective as we would have liked to see it. And then uh, in other sectors, you're seeing, unfortunately, women and minorities disproportionately impacted by COVID. Uh, yes, it is true. Part of that is because women do take on a disproportionate share of child rearing activities, but it's also because they have a higher propensity to be in sectors that have been hurt hardest by COVID. So it's um, it's anyone's guess as to what's gonna happen next. And, and that's why, unfortunately, we just all have to be safe. And uh, the conversation has not shifted from reopening so much as can we extend patio season hmm. if I'm a restaurant? Can I improve my cash flow uh, Again, depending on every sector has its own unique set of circumstances right now. Yeah, which makes sense. And that's exactly what we're seeing. And we have some clients in you know, the hospitality tourism industries and they're just, as you said, decimated. But a lot of our other clients, are, you know, they were in the process of the whole getting back to business. And you know, our firm put out our, our 30 page guide on getting back to business, which I'll, I'll put the plug in now to feel free to email us if you'd like a copy. Uh, but everyone was struggling with getting back to business. And what surprised us and I think a lot of our colleagues was how many businesses told or asked workers to come back and were received a no. You know, the answer the employees said, no, we'd rather stay home for now. We'd rather stay off work for now. Uh, so that's been a struggle. We talked about that, I think, in season three, episode six of, of the show. Um, and I made the very strong point that working is not optional. And people, if you're directed to come back to work, unless you have a lawful exception, you have to. Now you made the really good point earlier. It's back to school. Kids are going to be in many cases either online learning or they may well be sent home. And I think businesses need to understand what their rights are and, and what the limits are. Um, because what, what's shocked me is on, on the one hand, a lot of employers have overestimated their rights. You know, they thought they had the right to lay people off temporarily, but in many, many cases they didn't. Um, but now they're underestimating their rights. And when they have an employee who says, no, thanks, but no thanks, I'm not going to come back just, just yet employers are backing off and not pushing their legitimate right to insist people come back to work. Uh, and I'm really trying to get the message out that they have rights and businesses don't have to be shy about that as long as they recognize the employees' legal rights as well, such as duty to accommodate childcare. Uh, but it sounds like from what you're saying, that's a lot of the discussion you're hearing as well. Well, I, I you know, I, I remember uh, for the various segments that we did at the chamber online, uh, the comment that you would have heard me say a few times is the first person you should call at the beginning of COVID, besides listening to health professionals, of course, was your accountant. And the second person you should call is your employment lawyer. And I think, frankly, you should always be in touch with employment lawyers during this difficult time because 
there's so many transitions and it's really uncharted waters. So you want to get the most informed advice from as many positive sources as you can get. Yeah, I think we, we've definitely got to take an excerpt, excerpt of what Brian just said and, and record that and, and put it online uh, <laughs> because it's so true. Um, but what really scares me is most people are not doing that. Most business, and I, I understand it. You know, when at times like this where your revenues are down, you don't want to spend money on legal fees. But what I find is people are ending, ending up spending a lot more than they have to, either because they're paying employees when they don't have to or they're exposing themselves to liability. Uh, whereas a quick call to an employment lawyer would have avoided the situation uh, and things keep changing. I mean, we were talking off air before the show started about the fact that, you know, people that were on leaves of absence in Ontario and that was supposed to end on September 4th. And we were all scrambling late into the evening on September 3rd. We had clients calling us, what do we do? Do we have to bring employees back? We need letters. We got them all ready. And then late that Thursday afternoon, the Ontario government extended the leave of absence until January 2nd, 2021. So things change in a heartbeat. And a lot of the clients I'm talking to, or a lot of people I talk to informally, aren't up to date. So do you think that you're gonna see a lot of uh, last minute calls from employers mid-December regarding that January, uh, early January date regarding the ESA, ESA extension? I thought I was the one who gets to ask the questions on this no, show. No, but I, I think you, you asked the great question of yourself. So I'd love to hear the answer. Uh, fair enough. And I, I'm sure we will, uh, because that's what always happens. I mean, first of all, people tend to wait for deadlines before they act. So that's just human nature. Uh, but second of all, we're all waiting to see what happens. And nobody knows now what the world's going to look like in you know, December. You know, we don't even know what it's going to look like in October. So I'm sure that come December, we're going to have a lot of people looking at a January 2nd deadline. They're going to try to assess if they can bring employees back. Uh, but if they can't, then they're going to try to figure out what they do. Is it a layoff? Do they have to terminate them? And so we're going to go through the same process again that we went through about two weeks ago. And is it, is it something that uh, potentially we're going to see an extension of this uh, deadline again? Uh, I, I, would, I would certainly not rule that out. I mean, look, I, I'm hopeful, as I, as I know you are, that situation is going to be a lot better and that the numbers are going to be down and we're not going to have a second wave or if we do, it'll be over by then. Uh, but nobody knows. I think the reality is that if we are still in a situation like we are today, the date will be extended again because the government knows that, you know, just to put this in context for people who are, aren't familiar with it, you know, the issue here was that temporary layoffs at some point become deemed terminations. And when there's a deemed termination, the employer has to pay severance and that severance can be hefty. I mean, we can be talking months or even years. So everyone was concerned about the time limits being reached, which is why the government extended them. Um, but I think if we're in a situation where we have large, a large percentage of the population still not working, then they're going to have to extend those deadlines again. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Um, now, now I'll turn it back and ask you a question. Ask me a question. So, so, so <laughs> obviously, I know we're not, we don't know what's going to happen. But from what you're hearing, are people expecting to be going into a hiring phase in the next little while? You know, it's a fair question. I, I think, unfortunately, it's a bit early to know because um, from what we've seen, a lot of the bring people back to work for the sectors that could do that, they've already brought them back to work. And then for the other sectors like hospitality, tourism, I would include hotels, of course, in that banquet halls, they would love to bring people back to work, but how can they, right? They can't mm -hmm. operate safely. They're not allowed to in many cases. So um, 
it's really unfortunately it's a wait and see and uh and we're going to continue to see uh, you know i think i'll just speak for vaughn businesses it's a very resilient community we are going to get through this together uh, but there's certain sectors that are going to need further support from government um, yeah. and we're going to walk a tightrope in terms of going forward how we're going to pay down this debt long term and we have to be careful how we do this. We don't want to see austerity measures. Uh, that's not going to work for this economy for to see a rebound. No, definitely not. And, and actually, you mentioned resources. One of the resources that I've had some clients be very creative in using is the work sharing program. Uh, so I've had clients who said, we don't want to send anybody home altogether. We'd rather have two people working 50% than one person who's on a, on a layoff. Uh, so I've had a lot of clients do this. And, and again, getting back to the point I made earlier about people don't always know what their rights are. This is a program that's not very well known because in normal times, most people don't need it. Um, but you can have a, a number of your employees agree to have reduced hours. And the way it works is that CRA will basically provide EI to top them up. It may not be 100% depending on how what their base salary is. Um, but you can have them working part-time, being paid close to full-time wages, so nobody has to go on a layoff. And I've seen, even in the tourism industry, I've had clients who have been able to do that and at least avoid laying everyone off. I think it's a very, uh, it's a creative approach and it's, it's certainly better for morale. Not every business can do it, but it's certainly something to look at. Yeah, I think, I think you got, and that's, it gets back to the point that I feel like I make every, every hour, uh, which is you need to understand what your rights are. That way you know what the options are. Uh, and what I find you know, like we said, we talked about layoffs a lot back in March and April. I know I, you know, I did the event with uh, the Vaughn Chamber. I talked about that. Um, and now we're talking about recalls, but everyone, no one seems to know how to handle these things. And the second, you know, the, the most common question we're getting from the employee side is, do I have to go back? Uh, the second most common question we're getting from the employer side is, can I bring people back, but reduced hours or reduced pay? Uh, and I'm happy when I get the question, because in many cases, they just go ahead and do it without asking. Uh, and, and that's a big risk because you don't necessarily have the right to cut someone's pay in half or cut their hours in half. Um, but I'm curious, obviously, without naming any names, have, have you seen much of that or has it really been kind of all or nothing from what you've seen? No, I think we've seen a mix of pretty much everything. And uh, businesses are trying their best. I mean, the reality is I go back to the, uh, the restaurant, uh, restaurant scene. Right now, what's the number one issue these guys are looking at? How do I extend my season, right? They have patios uh, almost entirely. They've received the permits. Permits have been extended through for the patio through until the emergency order is lifted. There's no end in sight to that. So now if I buy heating lamps, right, outside heaters, Will people continue to come? Because this is the uh, the safest way to have guests is to allow for your patio to remain open, mm -hmm. uh, and there is an infrastructure cost to securing that and and operating it and have the staffing there. So these are the sort of the unique considerations. It's 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 uh, really the best way to describe it is we're all in it together. But it is true that every person in every business really faces their own unique circumstances. Including on specifically your question is, you know, what are the conversations I have with my specific employees to keep them on payroll and to listen, I would call your employment lawyer. <laughs> I love that. And you, you kind of bring up a really important point too, which is communication. Um, because a lot of times, you know, we get client calling us and they'll say, well, we tried to bring 
know, 10 or 20 or, or 100 employees back. And a bunch of them just said no. And so our question is, okay, well, why, why not? Why did they say they can't come back? And the answer often is, well, I don't know. We didn't ask. Uh, so it's got to be a dialogue, right? Because in some time, in some cases, it's just going to be a generalized fear of going out in public, which they're not entitled to accommodation for. Uh, and you could insist that the person come back to work. Uh, in other cases, it's going to be a childcare issue, you know, like we talked about with school, school children, et cetera. Or it could be a medical issue. They may be immunocompromised. They may be at higher risk and you may have to accommodate them. But you've got to have that dialogue to find out why. And then you can make your... Uh, your informed decision. And so that's, that's one of my top tips. I know we're going to do top tips at the end. And of course, that wasn't even one of the ones I thought of. Um, but that's so important. It's finding out why. And the second second aspect of that is documenting it. Uh, and we've had a lot of clients who have really tried to help out employees. Uh, and so they've agreed to things like a leave of absence, but they never documented it. And what scares me is at some point that employee might turn around and say, well, you didn't let me come back to work. That's a constructive dismissal. I'm suing you for my severance. So it's critical to have those discussions, but also to document them. And I think a lot of, especially the small and mid-sized businesses, which we have a lot of in Vaughn, uh, don't necessarily do that very well. Uh, well, I mean, unfortunately, I think it's, it's pretty clear there's going to be a, a number of lawsuits whenever we emerge from this. Yeah regardless of who starts them. And that's not necessarily our community. I think that's just a North American comment because we're in such uncharted territories that people are going to challenge and try and support their rights. I would just say that if businesses are watching this segment and you're able to do what I'm suggesting here, because I understand if you have no cash flow, this comment doesn't apply to you. If you're in hospitality and tourism, this comment does not apply to you. But those businesses that can stand by their employees and stand by their customers. If you're able to, you, you have a chance to emerge stronger. You, you, you need to get at, through this. It's not just to get to tomorrow, it's to get to what this looks like a year or two from now. And certainly those employers who are able to allow their staff to feel comfortable to work from home so that they can deal with whatever the issue is. You raised a number of great ones there, Stuart. My kid is immunocompromised or I need to be home because my child is taking online learning or any number of other issues, if they can work from home and you enable them to do that, I think they're gonna remember that loyalty and that support that they felt uh, at a time when, you know, otherwise they might be looking for another opportunity and they might be your best employee. I, I know that doesn't apply to every employer, but that's, that's generally, I, I've seen a lot of on businesses doing just that. Yeah. No, I think that's a great point and uh, gets back to communication. It also gets back to something that we often say within our, our firm, which is there's always the legal and the practical. And we give the legal advice. We want to make sure people understand what their rights are, what their obligations are. But then you're going to make that decision. And part of it is morale. Part of it is being an employer of choice and wanting your employees to know that you care about them and that you are trying to help them too. There's a lot of factors that go into all these decisions. So I think that's a really, really good point. I know at the end of our segment, we we're going to do some top tips. Was that your top tip or is it, do you have something else in your back pocket? No, I have, I always I have other tips. All right. So we'll, <laughs> well, we'll save the next one for a couple of minutes from now. I just didn't want, didn't want to leave you uh, with nothing to say when I ask you for your top tip at the end. Um, Those way, who know me, Stuart, would never accuse me of having nothing to say. <laughs> Fair enough. You, you mentioned patio heaters and 
undoubtedly every restaurant is trying to extend the season um, because we tried to extend our patio season and we checked every Home Depot and Lowe's and in, in you know within 40 kilometers, there's not a, a, an outdoor heater to be had. Um, I, I don't think that that's wrong. I mean, it's, it's, yes, that is correct. That's very difficult because there have been supply chain issues right across the board. And uh, we worked with a number of our partners to try and support um, the understanding of who is really an essential worker because getting the supplies to the store, which enable you to do your business, become part of an essential supply chain. Um, Vaughn obviously has a lot of, um, it's a logistics hub, right? And and a lot of aspects of the supply chain is there. So uh, yeah, that's a that's a whole issue in itself. But a number of our suppliers have run out. Uh, they can certainly reach out to the Von Chamber. We'll help them if we can on whatever the specific product they're looking for. I will call you later about the heater for my patio. Sure. Well, you only need one, Stuart, so that'll be a little easier. Uh, my wife was hoping for two, to be honest with you. So <laughs> we'll talk about that. Um, anyways, before we get to our top tips, I, we may have covered everything, but I, I know I was going to offer you a chance on behalf of your members. Are there any other questions that uh, your members would like you to ask an employment lawyer when you have the opportunity? Yeah, sure. So I'll, if it's okay, I'll ask you those. And then I have a couple of tips that are related, but not directly employment law questions. Um, I, I just, it was something that we were talking about a little earlier, just going back to what the conversation should, should sound like. We did, so again, speaking on behalf of employers, what should the conversation sound like with an employee who's saying they need to be home right now? I want them back at work, but they need to be home because they've enabled their child to do online learning and there's no one else to watch their child at this time. Yeah, that's, as we talked about before, that's probably the biggest question right now. So there's a couple of things. I mean, as I said before, this has got to be a dialogue. So usually it starts off with the employee saying, I can't come back to work and you need to ask why. Not in an accusing tone, but just to find out what the reason is. Um, because generally speaking, like we said a couple of episodes, there is no, you know, work is not optional. You can't just decline to come back. But if you are entitled to the leave of absence in Ontario, it's the infectious disease emergency leave or idle. Uh, which includes things like childcare obligations. And the Ministry of Labor on their website has very clearly said that this includes a situation where a parent has chosen to have their child do the online learning. They're entitled to a leave of absence. They may also be entitled to accommodation under the Human Rights Code for things like being immunocompromised or medical conditions. Um, although it's also important to have the dialogue as to how you can work with them. And I, I'll give the example, I may have given this last month as well, I don't remember now, um, we had a client who had one employee say, I can't come back to work. When they probed a bit further, what they were told was that the employee's doctor had said, this person has a somewhat elevated risk and it would not be safe for them to be on, for them to be on public transportation during rush hour. So they probed a bit further and, and my client got the authorization to speak to the doctor. And what they decided was that if the person was taking the bus in non-peak times, that would not be a significant risk. So they went from being told the person could not come back to work at all to just modifying their hours slightly and the person was able to work full time. So accommodation can take, can take many forms. It doesn't have to mean not working. Or in the situation you gave Brian where they have ch children at home, well, if they can work from home, they should. And that's one thing we've been telling everyone is that is still the first choice. That is still the safest choice. If someone can work effectively from home, let them work from home. If they can't, that's when you get into the, the more detailed discussion. 
Uh, and as we talked about earlier, this leave is going to go at least until January 2nd. And we have no idea if it will be, be extended beyond that. Um, but that's got to be the discussion. It should not just be a, a quick email exchange of someone saying, I can't come to work and the employer saying, okay, or, or not okay. You, you got to probe a lot deeper. What about uh, some of the questions I've heard? Uh, if the employee is allowed to work from home and then they choose to work from home at a much further distance, right? Because you could fly, for instance, to Calgary right now. Mm-hmm. And they want to work from home from Calgary, but when they come back, they need to quarantine from two, for two weeks. Theoretically, at that point, uh, maybe you need them at work. Now you can't bring them in. How do you advise your clients on something like that? Yeah, it's a great question, Brian. And you're right. I mean, a lot of people have kind of adopted this mode of I can work from anywhere. So I'm going to live at the cottage or I'm going to go somewhere sunny and warm. Uh, and we've heard all the stories of people who have sold their homes in Toronto and moved you know, somewhere where it's a lot less expensive, perhaps a lot prettier, uh, which sounds great uh, until things go back to normal and the employer says, we want you physically back in the workplace. And you're not entitled to just say, well, no, I like working from home, I'm gonna keep doing it. Uh, so people who do that really take their chances because at some point, if they're called back to work and they don't have a legitimate excuse for not coming back to work, then they're effectively abandoning their job uh, and they're going to be, they may well lose their job at that point. So before you move away or go away and risk that you may have to quarantine for two weeks when, when you're expected back at work, you, you need to talk about that with your employer. And, and look, hopefully most employers are going to be reasonable and they might say, well, we'll let you work at home during the two week quarantine period, for example, but you need to talk about it first, not, not later. And, and I know, and I'm sure you've heard this, there's nothing employers like less <laughs> than being told after the fact. And I mean, there's a great case from a couple of years ago, long before COVID times, of a fairly senior executive who asked if he could move, I think it was to the Bahamas, anyway, somewhere somewhere tropical, was told that no, he couldn't. Now he worked from home, but he was told no, he could not move to another country. He did anyways. And the company found out and, and fired him and he sued and he lost. Um, because and they probably could have worked something out if they talked about it, but he just did it unilaterally and, and company didn't like it, fired him and had every right to. What about, can, can the employer require the staff to take a COVID test or follow certain protocols? Like you want to take a fever, uh, you know, use a thermal gun. Can you require that? Yeah, that's a great question, Brian. And, you know, we've talked about that a lot. And I mean, the long and short of it, I've been mindful of, of time, which always flies by when we're having good discussions. Uh, but the long and short of it is anything like that, temperature testing, ask, asking for a doctor's note, those are all infri- infringements of someone's privacy rights. So the starting point is you shouldn't be able to, but there's always the balancing between privacy rights and the duty to provide a safe work environment. So as an employer, you need to make sure you're doing all everything reasonable to keep your staff safe, which might mean having other staff, having all your staff, having temperature testing or bringing doctor's notes. So courts are going to be a lot more accepting of those infringements as long as you can show there's a legitimate purpose for them, but also that's the least intrusive infringement possible. So you're not going to go and ask someone for their entire medical file, but if you ask for a doctor's note, if they had been sick, or if you ask to do a temperature testing, that's going to be in most cases, and every case is assessed based on its own particular facts. But in most cases, you're going to be able to justify that because you want to make sure everyone's safe. Great. Well, I could keep going, but I know we're a bit. <laughs> you got to get your own show. 
<laughs> but uh, well, that's we've, uh, we've done a lot of segments, so I'm good, Stuart. But uh, <laughs> no, I actually, you know, Stuart, if I can just ask you, because I think our our employers will watch and they'll watch for this answer. Like, not that any employer would want to, but if if a staff member is not following the safety procedures that the employer has established, can discipline uh, happen? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, look, you, you want to make sure that whatever the rules or the policies or procedures are, are very clear. You don't want someone to be able to say, look, I didn't know, I didn't understand. But as long as the rules are clear, if someone is breaching any policy, you should be able to impose discipline. And, and I can tell you, I mean, as you know, I've written a book on just cause and there's a whole chapter on breach of policies. And I can tell you that when I review the cases, every time we update the book, which happens to be right now, uh, Judges are very sympathetic when it comes to safety policies. They are far more likely to support discipline and even dismissal for breach of a safety-related policy. And now we're in completely unprecedented times, but everyone is focused on safety. So if you can show someone is clearly warned, clearly told what they're expected to do, they refuse to do it, they're warned, and they still choose not to, then discipline absolutely and possibly dismissal as well if it, if it comes to that. Right. Thanks. No, that's a, it's a great question. So let's uh, wrap up. I know you had you said you had at least one in your back pocket. So what would your your top tip be at this point? Well, I, I just say I'll give you two that are sort of interrelated. Um, one is that again for those employers who can't afford it, uh, if marketing was a key component of how you were doing how you were achieving sales pre-COVID, going away completely from marketing right now isn't going to be your long-term strategy right? Because if that's what was generating your sales prior to this, you might be able to preserve cash, but you're probably not generating the interest in your product that you need to. Again, that's a loaded comment because it really depends on your sector. But for some sectors, that's that's important because the advice that some businesses are getting just conserve cash at all costs. I don't subscribe to that. I think it depends on your unique circumstance. Talk to your accountant, talk to your lawyers, talk to your chamber. The other thing is, not to forget whether you do it through the Vaughn Chamber, you do it through LinkedIn or Facebook or through contacts you have, other associations, not to move away from networking. Traditionally, we all love in-person networking, but online networking has proven to be pretty effective. And we've had a lot of people on our segments who have said that they have achieved new clients, they've made great relationships. In some senses, it's it's more effective for some because a bit of a captive audience. Sometimes you get put in a you know Zoom room or what have you. It's almost like speed networking. I don't think there's a replacement for the real thing, but this is certainly a lot safer. And again, if 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 expanding your client base, making long-term leads for your pipeline uh, is part of something you need to do for business success. Don't move away from it right now, waiting for us to return to back to normal in-person networking, because nobody really knows, at for, unfortunately, this time when that will be. Yeah, that's a, that's a great tip. I know we talked about that before, but I think it's really important. Um, I will jump in with a tip I was going to, to offer, mostly to employers, but it really does apply to both sides. Uh, and this doesn't only apply in COVID, in COVID times, it applies all the time. Remember that every employment relationship is a legal relationship. Every employee has a contract, some are in writing, most are verbal, in which case there's a whole bunch of things implied by law. Um, but don't underestimate your rights and don't overestimate your rights. Before you make any decision, consider what the legal consequences of that might be. And as, as Brian has so eloquently said at least twice, contact your employment lawyer if you're, if you're not sure before you make that decision. So that'd be my first tip. And my second tip is 
take advantage of any time you might have now, especially if your business is slower. Think about what's happened over the last six months and identify any gaps in your contracts, your policies, your procedures. When you had to scramble back in March and April, did you have to adapt because you realized you didn't have contracts, which talked about things like temporary layoffs? or severance, or you realize you didn't have a proper remote work policy or proper health and safety policies. Were there times when basically you didn't have any policies at all that would help you deal with the situation? Now's the time to basically put yourself in a stronger position and, uh, and learn from the experience we've all gone through. So before we wrap up, uh, Brian, anything else that you want to add? No, thanks, Stuart. It was, it's, it's always good talking to you, and I was happy to be on here. And uh, I, I always learn things from you. I appreciate the opportunity to get to ask you questions on your own show. <laughs> I, I love the fact that you did it. So thank you so much for joining us. And I, likewise, I always learn from you because I know that you're talking you know, to dozens of people every day and you know what's going on. So thanks for joining us. That is all the time we have for Season 3, Episode 8 of Fire Away. I do want to thank everyone for tuning in. Thank Brian Schiffman of the Vaughn Chamber of Commerce once again. I'll also remind everyone that whether they are pandemic related or otherwise, we're still seeing a lot of businesses and a lot of individuals who are making mistakes. And almost all those mistakes come down to the same basic factor, which is they don't recognize that employment relationships are legal relationships. One of our goals at Rudner Law is to make sure that people are making informed decisions. So I'll invite everyone now to keep up to date on employment law issues by following our social media platforms, by subscribing to our newsletter, checking out our COVID-19 resource page on our website, which we update constantly. Um, and also I mentioned this during season three, episode eight, we have a guide to getting back to business. So feel free to email us and we'd be happy to send you a copy. Uh, but I will say what I always say, none of this, none of this replaces legal advice that's tailored to your needs. If you think you might need an employment lawyer, you probably do. So feel free to reach out to us at, at any time. I will uh, mention our next episode, which is gonna air on Tuesday, October 20th. Rudner Law Partner, Brittany Taylor is going to be hosting that one. She has not actually told me what the topic will be, so I can't tell you guys, but I'm sure it's going to be great. So please tune in. And also a reminder that past episodes can be found on our YouTube channel, on our website, archived on Facebook and LinkedIn. And if you like our pages or subscribe, you'll be notified when anything goes live. So please do. And as always, thank you so much, Rob, Rebecca, Mark, for putting this together and making it all go seamlessly. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll see you next time.